and experience, shall we say. See, see, here's the thing about moving. Moving makes you look at everything you own and ask yourself, do I love this enough to pack it and move it? And the answer to 99% of those things is no. No, I do not. After our first move, I stopped buying Holly knickknacks. You know why? I was going to have to move said knickknacks at some point. And I didn't want to do it. After my third move, I gave away most of the books in my library because I now buy most of my books on my Kindle. And I didn't need to prove that I was smart. I didn't. And I don't like moving boxes of books. And so I gave them away. And I thought, I'll keep the ones I actually read, which were very few. And, uh, and I'll give the rest to the library in Ripley. Um, but moving is an experience because it really does make you look at all the stuff you acquire through the years and say, do I really, do I really love this enough to go buy bubble wrap and boxes and paper and move it? Um, as we move, my mom has... Um, seen it fit to graciously share with me the many things that I have collected at her house throughout the years. In other words, she told me to get my junk out of her house. So I'll come home and she will say, Andy, would you like this jacket? And I'll say, no, mom, I don't want the leather jacket I wore in ninth grade. No, I really, I really don't want that jacket. It's hideous. Why did you let me out of the house wearing that? Do I want my Bogachita Letterman jacket? Oh, yes, I want that jacket because that jacket's awesome. But uh, the other thing's not so much. So as, as we moved and got more attic space through the years, Mama has been giving me more and more of the stuff that I'm accumulated. And most of it is kind of the stuff that she wants to get rid of. But as she's gotten older and as my kids have gotten older, uh, Mom has given me several precious gifts these last few years. Uh, She's given me a lot of my mama Sarah's jewelry to save for Sarah as she gets older. She's given me many old pictures of my granny who helped raise me when I was a little bitty. Many, many precious things like that. She's given me this chair, which is hideous because it has, because it's old and it makes racket and it has a bull on it for some reason we hadn't quite figured out. (laughs) But it was my granny's. And it's, it means so much to me that my wife has insisted that I not have it at the house, um, you know, because it's hideous. And um, so I have it in my office. So if you go into my office, you can sit in this chair and hear the terrible racket it makes when you rock on it. But it means a lot to me because it was my granny's chair. It's one of those things I look at and I remember her. You know, through the years, I've been given these these precious gifts. And these things mean a lot to me. Paul, today in the text we read, says this. He says, first off, something kind of scary. Some, one of those verses that makes you go, ooh, I don't know. He says, for, he says, live a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called. And you're like, ooh, I don't know if I can do that. That sounds hard. Because we've been called to some pretty high and pretty impressive things, haven't we, y'all? We've been called to go out in Jesus' name and change the world. And so the notion of living a life worthy of that calling sounds kind of scary. 
and sounds kind of intimidating and sounds like it's something that I'm not sure that I can do of my own strength. So Paul says, live a life worthy of the calling that you have been called to. But then he says later in the same text, he says, each of you has been given a measure of grace by God. So we see that this calling that we have been called to is really, in all actuality, a gift of grace. That our calling, that our life really is more about a gift. Y'all, and if there's one thing, if you could ever get this fact deep down into the center of your brain, if you can ever get this fact deep down into the soul, into your very soul, it will change your life. Our faith is not about our works. Our faith is about God's gift. Paul says this. Paul, Paul is a, I'm telling y'all, when you read Paul, Paul's a fascinating writer because Paul's a lawyer. And Paul will ask a lot of rhetorical questions. And those are my favorite kind of questions because you know the answer already. I do that a lot. I mean, is my wife awesome? Yes, she is. See, rhetorical question. We all already know the answer to that. Paul will ask questions that he will then answer. And so, at one point, Paul in Romans, in Romans 6.23, a passage you know pretty well. In Romans 6.23, Paul says this. He says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, so look what Paul does there. Paul says this. The wages of sin. In other words, your wages are what you earn. Your wa- you know, we work for our wages. So we labor hard. We work hard. We spend our time, our effort, our our energy for our wages. We work for these things. And then because we work for them, we receive a paycheck or we receive whatever we receive from our work. Those are our wages. It's things we've earned. But the gift of God is eternal life. Well, you don't earn a gift. I mean, what have you done to earn your birthday present? You showed up. That was it. You were born, and you get stuff. By the way, I had a professor of mine say this one time. The most beautiful gift of grace is infant baptism. Because what has that child done to earn that gift? They were born. That's what they did. It's a gift. So the wages of sin, what we have worked for, what we get, what we deserve... Is that death, that because of that bent to sinning we have, that's what we've earned. However, what we get, what we're given, what is showered and lavished upon us is grace. So judgment is what we've earned. Grace is what we receive. You do not earn God's love. If you spend your life trying to make God love you, you will fail. You cannot make God love you. You cannot make God love you. You don't have to. He already does. So what happens is we work so hard in our life trying to make God love us by being a good person, and then we fail. Then we blow it. Then we do it wrong. I had a lady in the Delta that had a bunch of sayings on her wall. And she had one that said, the harder I try, the worser I get. 
C.S. Lewis says this, no man knows how very evil he is till he has tried very hard to be good. So we spend our life trying to measure up and make God love us. And then we fail. And then we get frustrated. And then we walk away. And then we leave. And then we feel guilty. And our life is that cycle of guilt and repentance and guilt and, ah, I'm an idiot. Ah, you know, and we just keep going. That's what we earn by our actions. And God says, no, 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 no. We're putting an end to this. God says, you don't earn anything from me because I am the sovereign God of heaven. I have made everything that is both seen and unseen. I have hemmed the oceans into their place. I have set the stars in the sky. I have created all. I am God and Lord of everything that is. And what you get from me is grace. You get love. You get mercy. You get these things undeservedly so. And that's amazing. If we ever wrap our minds around that, it changes our life. Because then what happens is this. When we truly understand the power of God's grace given to us, it changes our life. And it changes how we treat others. And it changes everything about us. So like one of the analogies I use is you're in Walmart or you're in Kroger. You've got your shopping cart full of food. And you're walking down the aisle. And somebody's walking at you. Somebody's got to move. Who moves first? Do we say, Dad, come out here first. It's my right to be right here and they need to move. Or somebody say, eh, I'll scoot over, not a big deal. By the way, if nobody scoots over, anarchy is what happens. It's complete anarchy. It's like a four-way stop, you know. A four-way stop is like the, the, the crucible of civilization, you know, it can all go bad. We shouldn't have to move our cart. It's our right to be there as much as anybody else's. But we show grace. Because we love each other. We love the world. You know what a life worthy of the gospel is? It's not a life of perfect action. It's not perfect action. We're incapable of perfect action. You know what it is? It's a life of perfect love. Jesus Christ says this. You're to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. You used to love your neighbors as you love yourself. And then he says this. He says, on this hinges the law and the prophets. On this, so in other words, all the law and the prophets, all the Old Testament, all the stuff of religion, that all hinges on love of God and love of neighbor. And so what happens when we live that out, when we radically live that out because we are loved, people say this, why are you acting so weird? Why'd you move? Why did you respond to me with grace? Why did you do that? What is it about you? Why are you acting that way? And then we get to say, the reason why I acted like that is because of Jesus. I acted like that because of Jesus. I showed grace because of Jesus. I showed mercy because of Jesus. I acted in this way because he has shown me love. That is a life worthy of the gospel. 
That is what Paul is talking about, that right there. This is a life of humility and of service and of love. It's a life that understands this. You don't earn it. You simply receive it. And when you understand that God loves you, not because you're perfect, but that God loves you because he is perfect, it will change your life. And when that changes our life, we can then change the world. That's the gift we've been giving y'all. And that's so precious. That's so precious. When we live a life of response to the gift we have been given, it'll change us, it'll change them. And y'all, that's the calling that we've been given. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this calling. We thank you for this gift. We thank you for this grace. Father, may we live lives of joyful obedience to your grace. We love you so much. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We invite you to turn to page 13 in your hymnal as we come now for this time of communion. Um, Preacher, how do we do it? How do we live lives of grace? How do we find the strength?